This is the Rubin Report. It's September 12th, 2023. Why we just cold opened you there with Dylan Mulvaney and his new job as a folk singer, I have no idea. But uh, once again, I saw it, thus I thought you should see it. I don't know why. Guys, we're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. Share, subscribe, tap that notification bell if you have not, as always, post-game show at rubenreport.locals.com. If you have any comments, questions, you want to correct me on anything, share your thoughts, etc., etc. And today, we will talk about that machine that I'm always focused on because it's always one step ahead of us. Somehow it always fools us, it enables the worst people, it destroys the good people, we expose it, yet it still exists. And right now, one of the big things the machine is doing, it is going after Elon Musk hardcore uh, because of his stance on Ukraine. Now, it's not just his stance on Ukraine and what he's done with Starlink, and we'll get into some of that in a second. But of course, it's more broadly because of his stance on free speech. He basically is for free speech. He has turned Twitter into more of a free speech platform than it was before when it was a hyper-controlled platform, a hyper-censorious platform, a platform that was quite literally working with the government to silence you. He has uh, pulled back on that just a bit, and they're very upset about that. So the machine, and I'm talking corporate media, I'm talking our politicians and the rest of it, they are trying to destroy him. Uh, we will connect that to uh, also what's happening with our immigration policy right now, which is if you say anything remotely sane or honest about immigration, say, oh, I don't know, maybe we should have a border. Uh, we should have a border. I have a door at my house, and not everyone's just allowed to have the keys and just wander in. I don't just leave the door open and say, oh, everybody's welcome to come into the kitchen and eat whatever you want. If you say basic truths like that, they try to destroy you. Uh, and also, if you note that the president, or the man pretending to be the president of the United States, Joe Biden, is old and unpopular, they also will lie about you. And of course, if you are an orange man, you will lie about a Florida man. That's how it works, people. That's what we're covering today. And before we get to it, let's talk about Bambi.com. Uh, guys, when running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team smells horrible. Phoenix, Phoenix. Well, you better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance and your business stays compliant without uh, with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's HR managers are dedicated. They're a US-based person who will cater to your business by giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost 80 grand a year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Just go right now to Bambi.com and type in Ruben under 
under podcast. When you sign up, it'll really help the show. B-A-M-B-E-E dot com, Bambi dot com. Type in Ruben under podcast and now back to me. All right. Have you guys heard of this war, not war, that's happening over there in Ukraine? Uh, we're funding this thing, uh, we're giving weapons, we're training, doing all sorts of stuff, but of course we have not authorized a war. We don't actually say the word war. Uh, it's just an endless money pit. You, you, I think you've heard about it, you guys have heard about it. Yeah, we've all heard about this thing. Uh, well, one of the things that has happened in the midst of all of this uh, is that Starlink, which is basically Elon Musk's satellite internet service has been used at times uh, by the American military, by the Ukrainian military, and Elon Musk has realized that perhaps he doesn't want his technology being used to further a war that he is concerned might take us to World War III. That is, uh, I would say, a legitimate concern. Well, uh, Jake Tapper, Democrat activist Jake Tapper over on CNN had Secretary of State Anthony Blinken on his show over the weekend and they were talking about how Elon Musk is not letting the US government do whatever it wants, whenever it wants, whether Elon should be punished. SpaceX CEO Elon Musk uh, has recently confirmed a report that's in Walter Isaacson's new biography of Musk that last year Musk blocked access to his Starlink satellite network in Crimea in order to disrupt a major Ukrainian attack on the Russian Navy there. In other words, Musk effectively sabotaged uh, a military operation by Ukraine, a U.S. ally, against Russia, an aggressor country that invaded a U.S. ally. Should there be repercussions for that? Jake, I can't speak to a specific episode. Here's what I can tell you. Starlink has been a vital tool for the Ukrainians to be able to communicate with each other and particularly uh, for the military uh, to communicate in their effort to defend all of Ukraine's territory. It remains so and I would expect it to, to continue uh, to be critical to their efforts. So what we would uh, hope and expect is that that technology will remain fully available to the Ukrainians. It is vital to what they're doing. I don't know that you can't speak to it. You won't speak to it. Are you concerned? that Musk is apparently conducting his own diplomatic outreach to the Russian government. Really, n none of this concerns you? Jake, I can't speak to uh, conversations that may or may not have happened. I don't know. Um, I'm focused on the fact that the technology itself, Starlink, has been really important to the Ukrainians. It remains so. Sounds like Starlink's so important that the U.S. government doesn't want to risk offending a capricious billionaire. Uh, who did some things that I think in another situation the U.S. government might want to say something about, but let's move on. All right, there's two things that I really want to point out on this, regardless of how any of us feel about the war, whether Elon Musk should help or shouldn't help, what is what are your rights as a private citizen, even though if you have government contracts or you get subsidies, et cetera, to have the government, or in this case, the army use your technology. Let, let's put some of that stuff aside for a second. The two points really, First off, Jake says that uh, that Elon Musk had diplomatic outreach to the Russian government. 
As far as we can find, there is no evidence of that, that Elon Musk reached out to the Russians regarding any of this. Uh, he pulled back Starlink's ability from the US government in this case because he didn't wanna instigate, he didn't wanna help instigate a military attack that could blow up the whole damn thing. But as far as we could tell, there is literally no evidence of that. If any of you are watching and you can prove me wrong on that or correct us or clarify that, please do let me know. The other line though that I think is the scary line really gets to the heart of it. Uh, Jake Tapper says, should there be repercussions? Now again, it doesn't matter what you think, whether Elon Musk should allow this technology to be used or not. But the idea that a journalist is asking the Secretary of State, basically, should we take out, should we imprison, should we fine this private citizen because he's not helping you ramp up the war, the non-declared war effort, just because uh, you want to. He has different feelings about it and he didn't wanna, as I said, instigate World War III uh, this seems like a bit of a problem, right? Like, is Jake Tapper a agent of the machine or is he a journalist? Well, I think you know your answer on that one, but it continues because it's not just CNN and Jake Tapper that is pushing us more and more to war. It's also MSNBC, the televised mental institution known as MSNBC, and Rachel Maddow, who I thought she retired. Can anyone, didn't, didn't she quit or they got rid of her or something? Does anyone, am I making that up completely? Didn't, no, she's still there. She's still, everyone's looking at me blankly. She's still, all right, I guess she's still got a show. I thought she quit or something. Anyway, uh, she's really into this Ukraine war. Lefties used to be against war, now they're really into war. It depends who's in charge at the time. Uh, and she went on to talk about Elon and trying to scare the hell out of him, just like Jake. Mr. Musk making sure that the Ukrainian military could not use his Starlink satellite internet network, which is what Ukraine uses for connectivity on the battlefield. Um, to advance that operation. So, I mean, not to get too simple here, but the, the, like Mr. Musk is American. <laughs> he's, a, he's an American citizen. And it is the explicit, out loud, not at all hidden, totally overt, totally emphatic policy of the United States government to support Ukraine in its war against Russia after Russia invaded them. There's this one American private citizen who is intervening to try to stop Ukraine from winning the war, to try to stop from Ukraine from defending itself against this. God, it, it's so much nonsense. First off, Phoenix is checking if she still has a show, a daily show. It's unclear to me. She's had a weekly show, maybe, whatever. Okay, let's put that aside for a second. Um, just try to reverse this for a second. Imagine if it was Donald Trump, who is the president right now, and this whole Ukraine thing was happening and we're marching toward. Now, first off, every day on MSNBC, they'd be screaming that he's Hitler, World War III is coming, blah, blah, blah. Then, in the same exact case, and it's not just Donald Trump, if it was any, if it was freaking Mitt Romney, John McCain, the, the ghost of Ronald Reagan, it wouldn't matter. They'd be telling you that this is the worst war possible, there's gonna be genocide, all of this stuff. But imagine, it's one of those guys, and then Elon Musk, the tech billionaire, does the exact same thing. He doesn't give the mean Republican access to Starlink so that they can't advance the war. She would be on television saying the complete opposite. She would be saying, this guy's a hero. He did what every American patriot should do, which is stand up to the government and stand up to those mean people and all that. I am being told that Rachel Maddow only has a show on Monday nights. Might I recommend any of you find something better to do on Monday nights? Monday night football, wings, sit at home alone, in the basement with the lights off, whatever. 
Anyway, to continue just a, fur, uh, just a bit further with this story, uh, Walter Isaacson, who is the guy that authored the new Elon Musk book, uh, the biography that this whole story is based on, he actually clarified a bit about this issue after seeing the kerfluffle uh, on television about it. He wrote, to clarify on the Starlink issue, the Ukrainians thought coverage was enabled all the way to Crimea, but it was not. They asked Musk to enable it for their drone sub-attack on the Russian fleet. Uh, Musk did not enable it because he thought, probably correctly, that would cause a major war. So the point of this, guys, is that he didn't pull back anything, actually. Ukraine wanted him to change the rules that they had all been playing by. Anyway, all of this happens, and Elon Musk, as he consistently has done, decided to defend himself publicly, and I thought this was quite good. He said, I am a citizen of the United States and have only that passport. No matter what happens, I will fight for and die in America. The United States Congress has not declared war on Russia, if anyone is treasonous, it is those who call me such. Please tell them that very clearly. I mean, that is a clear and cogent response. Once again, you might, you might be watching this. I happen to fall more on the isolationist side of this. Not completely isolationist. I say it all the time. I've written about it in both my books. I believe that you should have a strong military as a, as a deterrence, right? Speak softly and carry a big stick. Uh, but you might be on the more side. You might be more of like, let's say, a Nikki Haley person or a, or a Mike Pence person where you really want to arm them and you want to stop Russia in that way. To me, that just escalates the war. You might be more on the isolationist side. It's not really all about the specifics of who's right about that. What it, what it really is about right now is not only, again, that we have not declared war, we're not even debating it anywhere, anywhere. we're just giving them endless money. Remember, what was it, about six months ago, we had Rand Paul on. Rand Paul tried to bring a bill to the Senate where all he said was, hey, can we just get some receipts? Uh, we're giving billions of dollars away. Is anyone, I, I'd like to write this off. Uh, could anyone check in on this? And then, uh, of course, they couldn't even get that. We are just handing them cash and more cash. And as we played Mitch McConnell the other day, we've just got to give them 500 million more and a billion more. It's just absolutely bananas. So it's it's about not only that we haven't declared war, but really how the media, I mean, these are these are supposed impartial journalists who are banging the drums, beating the drums to drive us to war. And if anyone goes, oh, maybe we don't want World War III, there should be repercussions, right, Jake Tapper? And Maddow, who would have just said the complete opposite, just ridiculous. But what happens, guys, when the reality of mainstream media politics set in? How, how do they backtrack when things happen? Well, one thing that we see happening all the time is if you're a good guy and you're a good Democrat and you're a nice liberal, you let everybody in, nobody's illegal, we love everybody. But then what happens, uh, people start showing up and crime goes up, women are getting raped, cities aren't safe, bunch of problems start happening. This, this is a Friday clip. We didn't get to play it yesterday because of uh, covering 9-11. This is a Friday clip on The View, and, and I, I guess I say this a lot, but like, this is top 10 view insanity. So the, New York City's being overrun by illegals right now. We've shown you the clip of Mayor Eric Adams basic, be, basically being like, you better get the F out of here. I can't, there's nothing I can do, man. You're screwed, it's coming everywhere. Upper East Side, downtown, below Houston, doesn't matter, you're effed, sorry. Uh, anyway, the ladies of The View, and The View is shot in New York City, they're finally realizing that if you let thousands, hundreds of thousands of people into your city, it causes problems, but now, 
because a liberal, a conservative is just a liberal mug by reality. Now look at their response now that it is quite literally at their doorstep. This is wow, spectacular. But frankly, you know, I think we need to find, and, and we've dealt with this before. I, I lived in, uh, in Miami. I was a migrant, an immigrant in Miami in the 80s. You'll remember when we had the Marielle boat lift. Yes. 125,000 Cubans yeah. came in a matter of six months. It puts tremendous stress on, on, on a city, on a community, on the social services. They need to be resettled elsewhere. They need, right? to, they need to be out. We're this spread, massive yeah. country. Well, yeah. And it's only going to get worse with global warming and climate change because people can't live in certain parts of this world. <laughs> I can't even write fast enough to do this segment properly. First off, they need to be resettled elsewhere. Do you guys know the phrase NIMBY, not in my backyard? It's the hypocrisy of these elite rich women. They don't give a shit when this is happening in the border towns of Texas. How many times on The View have they ever covered a border town in Texas being overrun by illegal immigrants? Zero. The only time they've ever covered any of this is when they show up in Martha's Vineyard, right? When DeSantis sends them up to Martha's Vineyard, 20 people where they could have been on Obama's 30-acre uh, estate, each taken an acre. They would have been okay. You could even put 30 people on an acre, on one acre, and they would have been okay. And then they care about this stuff. So this idea, first off, they have to be resettled. Also, there's like a twang of like Nazism in there. We'll resettle these dirty people. They can't all be here. Spread them out throughout the country. How about you can't come into the country in the first place? But it's just, it's so incredible. It really is just so profoundly astounding how easily you can punch holes in their hypocrisy and, and in the nonsense that they espouse all the time because the second it hits them, then they care. Then they're into resettling and spreading people out. Again, okay, you wanna spread people out? How about outside of the United States? That might be okay. And then finally, Joyless Behar with her, yes, it's climate change. Guys, it's just gonna keep happening because of climate change, but we can't have everybody coming to the Upper West Side because I wanna go to Zabar's and I can't have homeless people sitting outside, just absolutely insane. Speaking of insanity, the man who is in large part the problem here is Eric Adams, the mayor. And again, Eric Adams, and you can go back to our videos during the last New York City mayoral election. Everybody was saying, oh, Eric Adams, he's the same Democrat. He's not a complete leftist lunatic like Bill de Blasio or some of the other people running. He's not a mate, you know, just like an absolute socialist wackadoodle. And I kept saying, oh, you just wait. Uh, so he opened it up, sanctuary city. It's been a sanctuary city, will be a sanctuary city. Nobody's illegal. Well, here he is now that uh, they're having some problems. Because critics on the right have noted that New York City is a sanctuary city. And this migrant crisis comes with that territory. What do you say to those who think uh, you relinquish your right to complain about the stresses it places on your city because of that? Well, I, I think that those comments coming from those far-right Trump-like Republicans who are continue to try to distort the reality that we do not have real immigration reform, that we should allow a true decompression strategy, protect our borders in the right way, and make sure that when you look at this city, the status of right to shelter of no one who created this decades ago took into account that we were talking about uh, hundreds of thousands of people potentially coming to coming to the city. Guys, nobody who thought of this stuff thought people might actually show up. How 
was I supposed to know if we said, we're a sanctuary city, come here, we won't kick you out, we'll give you all the services and everything else. We have a zillion of examples, a zillion examples of this across Europe that are countries like Germany that have problems now because they let in millions of people and now their social services are collapsing. How would we know if you said to people, show up, we'll give you dental care, we'll put you in an apartment and all of that stuff that people might take us seriously? <laughs> Whose fault is it really? Of course, it's the mean Trump MAGA Republicans and the people not taking care of the border, except I think, um, is it a Democrat or a Republican president right now? Democrat president, right? It's his guy, it's the elderly guy, right? So everything he said there is complete nonsense. He deserves this. I pity the four, the four or five remaining sane people. Who's still sane in New York City off the top of my head? Uh, Gutfeld. Love that Greg Gutfeld, he's still there. Who else is, I, I guess Dana Perino, I, I don't know if she, no, I think she lives in, she's outside of the city. Who else is in New York City still? Oh, Rudy Giuliani lives there. No, Megyn Kelly fled. So basically we got Rudy Giuliani and Greg Gutfeld if, and, and, and my mother-in-law. So if any of you want to, and I'm working on getting her down here, if any of you want to come to Florida, but beyond that, I, I just don't want any of you people here. Anyway, it continues. Secretary, uh, Department of Homeland Security, uh, Mayorkas, right? Alejandro Mayorkas, this guy, Mr. Eyebrows over here. Uh, he, he can't figure out what's going on here. There's so many problems, and if only someone had his job that could fix these problems. First and foremost, we're dealing with a broken immigration system, a fact about which everyone agrees. It is one of the rare things about which there's unanimity of views, and we need Congress to act, number one. Number two, within that broken immigration system, we are challenged by an unprecedented level of displacement in the Western Hemisphere of historic proportions. We have responded with a model approach that has proven to work, which is to build lawful pathways for right. individuals to arrive in a safe and orderly what model approach is working? Do you know who has your job? It's you. What are you talking about? This largest Western immigration, like everything they say, it's, I admire it. I truly admire it at some level. The level of stupidity, the level of the complete inability for them to ever look in the mirror, you gotta admire it in some way. The ignorance is bliss part of their existence. It's just extraordinary. But okay, they lie about everything, and part of what they've been lying about, at least related to uh, the immigration part of this, is that there's a Democrat in charge, right? It has significantly gotten worse from Trump to Biden. Fact, Trump was trying to build a wall, and they said a wall is racist. Most of these people live behind walls and gates and have armed security, which they don't want for anyone else. But we went from that so basically letting everybody in and, and the chickens are coming home to roost. So what does the machine do? When more and more people start realizing, oh, the cities are collapsing, crime is everywhere, the economy's not working, uh, crime is through the roof because of all these illegals, all of the social services are struggling, we're going back to the view ladies and gentlemen, and fake conservative Alyssa Farah. Now she's supposed to be the conservative who would defend a conservative point of view maybe defend a Republican every now and again. She's always going after DeSantis. But here she is doing a little PR. She used to be in PR. Here she is doing a little PR for the Democrats. 
One thing I wanted to say on the vice president's response, and maybe this is just my PR mind, the first words out of my mouth would have been, Joe Biden's going to serve four more years, but I'm ready. That was the only thing that I kind of took it as. Don't even acknowledge from the Democrats' perspective that there is a chance she might have to step in because it re-kind of gives fuel to this narrative that allegedly 73% of Americans feel that he's too old. But bigger picture here, 2024 is giving me 2016 vibes all over again, whether it's the massive Republican field that's actually just making the way for Donald Trump to be the nominee. But then also, I get he's an incumbent, but the sort of coronation of Joe Biden reminds me of Hillary Clinton. Primaries are meant to create the best general election candidate. I actually think if he was kind of being challenged in a primary, he'd he'd come up with the best way to answer about Hunter Biden, the Afghanistan withdrawal. You've passed all these bills, but why do people not feel like the economy's better? Um, and I worry that we are careening into the matchup that nobody wants again, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, and that there's a very legitimate chance that he could lose to Donald Okay, I will give credit where credit is due. I think at the end, she's basically saying that Biden should have a primary, right? Because he should have to defend some of his ideas. I think that's what she sort of said there. I was writing down a whole bunch of things during that. Uh, but the idea that she made sense is so bizarre, whatever. Okay, so that's one part I'll give her credit for. But this other part, uh, we should just uh, ignore. We should just ignore that 73% of Americans feel he's too old. Uh, no, we should not ignore that. That it, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, that is a huge issue that he is, and again, it's not purely about the age. If you, if you were hyper uh, energetic and hyper competent at 81 years old, then I suppose you could be the, the president of the United States still. But again, does anyone think this guy for one day could be assistant manager at McDonald's? And the answer obviously is no. The handlers, the people who tell him what to do, the note cards, the rambling, the confusion, we'll show you some stuff from Vietnam and, and India in just a moment. Uh, it just, it never ends with this guy. But, I, but on the Alyssa Farah part, and I don't like making about these people specifically, but she's brought on this show called The View, which, which again, we've talked about this a lot. I think I've, we've shown you the beginning, the original beginning of The View that Barbara Walters set up from 20 plus years ago. The whole purpose of The View was to take women of different lives, uh, lifestyles, different backgrounds, ethnicities, religions, color of skin, all those things, and together they could discuss their viewpoints and thus would be The View, right? That was the original idea, but what you get is you get five sort of crazy far lefties and then one fake conservative. I would say she's, someone like Alyssa Murray, you're basically just controlled opposition. You're there to basically destroy Republicans and conservatives and, and take out your own side and, and do it nicely enough so you get pet on the head and you get your cookie and then one day they'll take you out too. So again, I, as I've said, it's like, lady, I, I hope you're enjoying, what does she get paid per year? Have we ever Googled that? It's a couple hundred grand, right? I hope it's worth the 400 grand. Like that's a nice salary and I hope, I hope it's worth it to like sell out everything that you purportedly believe in. Anywho, uh, yesterday was September 11th, uh, 2023, the 22nd anniversary of uh, the worst terrorist attacks in American history, obviously. Alyssa Farah makes 200 grand, that's it? That's the level that she's selling out for? Okay. Uh, anyway, it was the anniversary of 9-11, uh, and I, you know, I kind of struggled on social media yesterday because I really just wanted to do a couple heartfelt things like I did on the show yesterday, and then you start seeing the lying and how everyone's politicizing it, and then, you, everyone, you, we just all struggle with this, I think, to some extent, if you're on social media, like you wanna be your best self, you wanna honor the day, the people that pass and all that, and then you just see the people lying. And then you, you, you just get involved in a different way. And I got caught up in it a little bit too, but here is the elderly man pretending to be president, Joe Biden. Now, he did not go to New York City 
on the anniversary of 9-11 yesterday. Uh, he was in Alaska, and here he is completely making something up. To renew our sacred vow, never forget, never forget, we never forget. Each of us, each of those precious lives stolen too soon when evil attacked. Ground Zero in New York, and I remember standing there the next day and looking at the building. I felt like I was looking through the gates of hell. It looked so devastating because the way you could, from where you could stand. Oh, I knew. You know, it's funny. Before we even show you what the lie was, I knew as I was watching it, I was like, I was in New York City on 9-11, as you guys know. I just knew there was just no way in hell that the senator from Delaware showed up on September 12th. I just knew it. Uh, well, of course, here's an image. Where was Joe Biden the next day? Yeah, he was in D.C. at the Capitol. Look, it's not like it's the biggest, most egregious lie. The guy has, a, has lied about much more. Um, but why do these people lie about everything? I would say in most of the politicians' cases, it's, it's because they're sort of trained to lie. That's, in many ways, that's their whole objective. It's the whole thing, is to confuse you from what the truth is. In the Biden case, it's like, I genuinely think he doesn't know what's going on, so here he was, the, this is like two days ago, in India, and he just doesn't, he just does not know what he's saying. And I particularly want to thank Prime Minister Modi and the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salam, so, excuse me, Mohammed bin Salam, and uh, President von der Leyen, and the European Commissions. And since it's, uh, he's not speaking today, uh, I wanted to, well, maybe he is speaking today. I had a note he wasn't speaking at any rate. I'm, I'm going to stop there. Yeah. You're right, Alyssa Farah, 73% of Americans that think something's wrong with them, they should just be ignored, right? Put your PR hat on. How do we get rid of people who are seeing reality as clearly as it's being laid out to us? Anyway, it continued because on this trip, uh, not only was Biden in India, he was in Vietnam. He went to John McCain's memorial in Hanoi, uh, and he stepped on it. you don't step on the flowers. Okay, okay, you get it. There's just an endless amount of these things. But guys, here's, here's the key part of this, because I, I know you're watching, you're going, Dave, I know you can dump on the Dems all day long, and I know you can crap on the fools of the view and make fun of Biden and all that stuff, but there's, a, there's another problem as well, and, and you're right, there is another problem, because it's not just the media and the Dems who are lying their way uh, about virtually everything. It's the entire machine, and the machine is not just left-wing, right? The machine is both left and right. It's Democrat and Republican. One side may be worse at times, and sometimes it flips. Uh, but one of the real problems that most of you watching this, I think, will have to address at some point is for those of us that, that probably are gonna vote Republican in the next election, uh, the, the Trump thing, the endless lying coming out of the Trump thing is, is a problem. You know, I thought this would be an interesting way to frame it. I was thinking about it this morning. You know, when Trump came in in 2015 for the 16 election, 
Uh, one of the things that we started realizing was that politics is downstream from culture, right? This is an idea that Andrew Breitbart had been talking about for a long time. Like, you could have all of the right political ideas, but if you're losing the culture, you're losing Hollywood, you're losing what the music is and the things that people think are cool, you'll never be able to win the political thing. You'll never get enough people to back up and, and to back you up and come out fighting for you and all of those things. And Trump came in and he started shifting the culture. And that was extremely important. Right, it really, it really absolutely was, uh, which is why I did not have Trump derangement syndrome even when I was not supporting him, and it's why I supported him the second time around. But the culture right now, our culture right now, is so filled with lies in every which direction that I think Trump is starting to do something very dangerous with his new level of lying, which is always about DeSantis, which tells you, it's like, if you're up 50 points, why are you always lying about this one guy? Could it be? possible that you actually know that the polls, the national polls don't mean anything and everything else. But Trump is just lying over and over. And it does not give me any great pleasure to do the segment we're about to do, because I would prefer that not be the case. But I know that many of you are still supporting him. And, and I'm, act, I'm not telling you not to. I'm just telling you to think about what he is potentially doing to the culture, even if he wins, okay? So, so let's check out this video. Uh, this is from Team Trump. So this is the official Team Trump account on Twitter putting out uh, an anti-DeSantis ad about COVID and, you'll, and then community notes hit it. You'll see, take a look. It's a travel checkpoint unlike anything most Americans have ever seen. Backing up traffic for miles. Yesterday, we saw huge delays there. Some people waiting hours to get to that checkpoint. Kim, no state border checkpoints in Alabama, but as you can see here in Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis issued an executive order. I am recommending to the Board of Governors who are gonna to talk to the university presidents um, about going to remote learning for the rest of the spring semester at all Florida universities. So, restaurants, uh, we're gonna do similar to what California did. Bars and nightclubs, uh, effective 5 p.m. today, um, you know, they're gonna be suspended for 30 days. I worked with um, Miami Beach Mayor in Fort Lauderdale, supported their closures of some of their beaches. More restrictions put in place tonight in Miami Beach. The entertainment district between 5th and 15th streets is getting an 8 p.m. curfew. We're gonna suspend for two weeks any vacation, new vacation rentals in the state of Florida. The governor issuing executive order 2087, ordering vacation rental properties to suspend operations. I talked with one business owner that said he's tired of hearing about closures. He wants some good news. Daytona Beach Shores police say last night their officers went around to all restaurants and bars, handing them a copy of the governor's executive order. They say they're out tonight patrolling to make sure everyone's in compliance. Okay, so that was from the official Trump account on Twitter. Now, first off, community notes, which as you guys know, this is the fact-checking apparatus of Twitter now. Uh, well, they hit it with a, a couple uh, points. They wrote, misleading. DeSantis consented to restrictions later than 30 other states based on Trump's federal guidance to governors and at the request of his administration. DeSantis began reopening in phases April 29th based on cases and population. Lockdowns ended in September. So what's interesting about this is Trump's putting out an ad going after DeSantis for the exact things that Trump's administration was asking DeSantis to do. DeSantis not only implemented them later, but rescinded them earlier. And we all know this. And by the way, 
It is not to say that DeSantis was perfect on this. Perfection on this would have been never complying with anything ever, and virtually nobody did that. Well, certainly nobody from a political perspective in America, and there were almost no pundits, including myself. I mean, you can go back to the day lockdown started. I was, I was, I guess, confused as everybody was. We were all smacked with something we had never seen before. Hopefully some of us saw it as a learning lesson years later. Uh, but 15 days to slow the spread or whatever it was, I was okay with that. On day 15, that's when I woke up. But the point is, DeSantis isn't arguing, oh, I was perfect from day one and fought you every which way. He's saying, oh, I fought you at the beginning. You pushed it on us, which is true, and we got rid of it earlier. This is all true. So my point, my connection from, from to this to what we talked about earlier, it's not just about the lying that so many politicians in the media are doing. It's lying, it's the attempt, I suppose, to lie your way out of the results of your own political decisions, right? So when Eric Adams is upset that New York City is a sanctuary city and then, oh my God, look what's happening in our sanctuary city, it's like, well, you are lying about what a sanctuary city is. You knew this was gonna happen. And Trump now is trying to lie his way out of his own COVID restrictions. Uh, so DeSantis did react to Trump's flurry of false claims about COVID and he needs to do more of this. But he's making claims that Florida had the third highest death rate in America. Uh, he says you shut down. Yeah, that, that's total nonsense. He said tight as a drum. Yeah, so vax lines. Now, on April 1st, yeah. of 2020, just to be clear, you did allow the local authorities to determine who goes on a beach and who doesn't. And I think the rule you made that day was to limit it to 10 people or less. Uh, do you disagree with any of that? Right and it there? was it. So, right. So that was a local decision. Uh, but, you know, those first few weeks, uh, we followed some of the federal guidelines. I've always uh, said that. Uh, but then I was looking at the data myself uh, and I made the decision that we were going to chart a separate course. And so we did that. And, and clearly, Florida boomed as a result. But I would note this because this is important. You know, Donald Trump's reelection campaign in October of 2020 was running ads bragging with Fauci saying Trump did everything I told him to do. They were putting that out. They were bragging about it. And then on January 19th, 2021, Donald Trump's last day as president, he gave Fauci a presidential commendation. So those were wrong to do that. Uh, and clearly, I think the important thing is this, looking forward, we need accountability for what went wrong because those people in positions of authority at the CDC, Fauci, though they lied about lockdowns, school closures, mask mandates, they were wrong it did a lot of damage around this country. And I know that because the people that were harmed, a lot of them came to Florida and would tell us about it. So we need a reckoning so that this never happens to our country again. And we instituted permanent protections in Florida against mass mandates, against all this stuff. So my question to you is this, regardless of whether you're supporting DeSantis, whether you're supporting Trump or anyone else, is anything, did anything that he just said right there, was it a lie? Did he just lie right there? Nothing he said there was a lie. They adjusted accordingly. Trump was running ads for re-election with Fauci. We played one of them yesterday and we've played it before. And Trump did give Fauci and Burks and a bunch of other people uh, an award on the way out on his last day in office. It's just true. So Trump's screaming about all this COVID stuff, uh, but here's a compilation of Trump on COVID. We closed the country down and we did just the right thing. We closed it down and a group of very smart people walk in and say, sir, we have to close it. And we did the right thing. Could have kept it open. 
And I could have done what some countries are doing. Bars, restaurants, food courts, gyms, and other indoor and outdoor venues where groups of people congregate should be closed. We've done pretty much what he and others, Dr. Burks and others who are terrific, recommended. When I've made recommendations, he's taken them. He's very important to me, and I would, I will be listening to him. The president has listened to what I have said and what the other people on the task force have said. I thought of keeping it open because nobody's ever heard of closing down a country, closing down a country, let alone the United States of America. My administration is recommending that all Americans, including the young and healthy, work to engage in schooling from home when possible, avoid gathering in groups of more than 10 people, avoid discretionary travel, and avoid eating and drinking at bars, restaurants, and public food courts. When he suggests, why don't we do this? And I say, no, that's really not a good idea from a scientific standpoint. He has never overruled me. Do you anticipate at all relaxing those restrictions by region during uh, these additional 30 days? I don't days think or so. No? I don't think so. And I asked that the same. I said, how about Nebraska? How about Idaho? How about Iowa? I was given a pretty strong look by these two people. They said, we don't like that idea. The first and only time that Dr. Burks and I went in and formally made a recommendation to the president to actually have a, quote, shutdown in the sense of not really shutdown, but to really have strong mitigation. The president listened to the recommendation and went to the mitigation. All right, I get it, guys. Hindsight is twenty twenty. But that that moment there at the outdoor press conference at the White House, when when the guy asked him about opening up, and he's like, "Well, I looked at these two people, Idaho, Nebraska, places where there's a lot of land and a sparse population, and everything else, and they just well, they gave me a strong look." So the guy who said, "I will drain the swamp," who's still saying he will drain the swamp, he was completely owned by the swamp. That is just true. I'm sorry if it pisses you off. It's just. True, it absolutely is. And again, as Brock just pointed out, we've mentioned many times here, everything that Trump says in those things, has he ever said I'm sorry about any of it or I did get mixed up or I shouldn't have listened to them or anything else? He really hasn't. Has there been a mea culpa or a moment of contrition? DeSantis, on the other hand, is like, yeah, we we all made a mistake. Uh, We all shouldn't have listened to these guys and blah, blah, blah. Trump seems to absolutely refuse to do any of that and then lie about the guy who is leading us all out of it. Why am I in Florida right now? Why are these guys all in Florida? Why did I move two companies here? Why did literally almost a million people move from uh, from California and New York to Florida in the last three years? Why have we seen this massive population shift, leaving blue states, going to red states? It's in large part because of DeSantis, right? So let's, we cannot allow them, whether it's the left who lies about everything or in this case, Trump, we can't let them rewrite history because we will not know anything that is true if we just keep letting this go on and on. Here's just one more from the DeSantis war room uh, because it's, it's worth repeating. Uh, here's the letter Trump's White House Coronavirus Task Force sent to Florida on January 10th, 2021, just a few days before Trump left office. His task force was still urging Ron DeSantis to lock down Florida with strict social distancing and force everyone to wear masks. You can find the entire thing on Twitter. I'm obviously not going to read that entire thing to you, but you guys get the point. You get the point. Trump is lying about this stuff and was pushing Florida to do lockdowns, even as DeSantis was leading, I would say, the country and the world 
out of it, right? Uh, now, the other way that he's lying is he keeps pretending that he had nothing to do with any of this. It's not just lying about DeSantis for leading us out of it. It's pretending that he had nothing to do with it. Now, we just showed you that video. I was for the lockdowns, I listened to them. Here's Trump, I think this is two days ago, about COVID tyrants. These are bad people. These are sick people we're dealing with. But to every COVID tyrant who wants to take away our freedom, hear these words, we will not comply. So don't even think about it. Where were you last time, man? Where were you? Well, interestingly, more and more people are starting to catch on to this. Uh, Georgia governor, Brian Kemp, who was fighting to open up his state as Trump was using the power of the federal government to lock them down, uh, he retweeted that video and he added comment. The fact is, former President Trump led the opposition to my decision to reopen Georgia, the first state in the country to do so. While he listened to Fauci and parroted media talking points, I listened to hardworking Georgians. He may not remember, but I sure as hell do. Again, guys, regardless of who you're supporting or anything else, whether you're pissed at me for doing this segment, just what is true? What do we know to be true? What is there evidence of truth, uh, evidence that actually occurred, and what and who is lying and what are they lying about? Like that's really the question for today's show. Uh, anyway, interestingly, here is, now we'll shift a little bit here because in contrast, here's an anti-lockdown governor who endorsed Trump uh, and was one of the leaders on the COVID thing, uh, but she's not endorsing DeSantis. She endorsed Trump last time and she's endorsing Trump this time. I'm talking about South Dakota Governor Kirst, uh, Christy Nome, who I've had on the show before. Uh, over the weekend, she endorsed Trump for president. It is my honor to present to you the man in the arena. He is a man of significance. He is the leader, the fighter that our country needs. He has my full and complete endorsement for President of the United States of America. I will do everything I can to help him win and save this country. Ladies and gentlemen, the 45th and the 47th President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Okay, I wanna be clear before I criticize just a bit here. Uh, Christy Noem, I think, is an excellent governor for the most part. Uh, I think she was really fantastic on COVID. She was, like DeSantis, I would say South Dakota and Florida were really leading the country out of COVID. There were places in South Dakota that never got locked down at all. Uh, so I think she's been great on that stuff. And again, I've had her on the show. I'll be happy to interview her again. One of the things that I think she has uh, struggled with uh, is some of the woke stuff that DeSantis has really crushed it on. Uh, two years ago, the NCAA threatened to pull out of South Dakota unless she was inclusive of trans athletes. Now, she had been very outspoken about separating girls and boys and et cetera, et cetera, and not letting that happen, which is obviously the right thing. Um, the South Dakota legislature said, no, we are not going to play by their rules. Uh, she said yes and actually vetoed the bill that was gonna ban trans athletes from competing. It gets into a little bit of the weeds of South Dakota politics, but you might remember when she was on Tucker Carlson trying to defend her view. Here you, you have this bill, which I think all polling shows is popular in your state. I think it would be popular nationally. You said you were excited to sign it, big business intercedes NCAA, Chamber of Commerce, and Amazon and tell you not to sign it and you change your mind. If you, I think a lot of our viewers are, are wondering your thinking on this and how exactly this happened. 
Well, that's not true, Tucker. And thank you for inviting me to be on the show tonight. Of course. I could sign the bill the way that it is today. Uh, and then also, uh, but it wouldn't solve the problem. And, and that's the real issue. As I looked at the bill and examined it and have been discussing with legal scholars for many months on how to protect women's sports, this bill would only allow the NCAA to bully South Dakota. And it would actually prevent women from being able to, pr to participate in collegiate sports. So what I've done is I've asked the legislature through a style uh, and reform. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but just for our viewers, I'm, I'm so sorry. The bill. Wait, wait, can you just back up for one sec? For our viewers who haven't followed this as closely, how would this bill prevent women mm -hmm. from playing in South Dakota, if you would? Because what it would do is it would put a law in the books that would allow the NCAA to take punitive action against our state. And you don't think you can win that fight. They said if you sign this, we won't allow girls in South Dakota to play. And you don't think you sh can win in court, even though the public overwhelmingly supports you nationally. And so you're caving to the NCAA. I think that's what you're saying. We're going after the NCAA and make sure that we're keeping only girls playing in girls sports. I've been doing this for years but, and I'm going to solve the problem, not just pick a fight to pick a fight. Well, but the legislature, you're saying, was just picking a fight to pick a fight. I thought that they were trying to codify what the majority of right. your citizens want, which is girls sports for girls and boys sports for boys. Here the NCAA comes in and says, if you do that, you're going to lose a court battle. And so you said, well, the bill can't go forward. You have a, a democratic process that arose from your own citizens. They want this bill and you've stopped it. So I, I, I'm not really sure how this is defending women's sports. No, with no, respect. The, the I want to give a hell of a lot of credit to Tucker in that interview. I know in an interview sometimes when a politician is kind of gish galloping you and they're kind of talking their way into circles and it can be hard sometimes to immediately jump in and try to correct them. Uh, he did a great job there. What you got to understand is this bill was put forth. The people were for it. The legislature was for it. She vetoed it. Okay. And now she can make say whatever she wants regarding why she did it and that, that uh, the NCAA came in and said, you're going to lose the court case, but you still do what's right. You do what is right, which is not allow boys to play in girls' sports. And surprise, surprise, you know who did that? Yeah, it was DeSantis right here in Florida when he fought Disney. So she was afraid of Amazon, he fought Disney, which I didn't even know about this, Brock just told me. Apparently yesterday, Disney dropped their remaining lawsuits against Florida, I'll get a little bit more on that, uh, for tomorrow. Uh, so who, who was fighting the right fight on COVID? You got it. Who was fighting the right fight on the woke stuff? You got it. Uh, so let's show you an image from the DeSantis war room. I thought this was uh, quite good related to, I think we showed you this a while back, but related to par parental rights, which really is what this is all about. DeSantis will always stand for parents' rights. Here is what he has done to protect families and kids. SB 254, outlawing permanent mutilation of minors. This is good. HB 1069, removing pronoun politics and expanding parental rights in education. This is good. HB 1438, protecting children's innocence. This is good. HB 1521, ensuring women's safety. This is good. HB 225, expanding access to youth sports. These are all good things. These are all things that the machine and the corporations and Disney and the politicians and the media did not want DeSantis to do, but he went through and did them. Uh, just one more on this from DeSantis Warren, because I thought this was just a perfect visual illustration of what's going on here. Here's a map of every state that has passed all of the following. Ban on state and local lockdowns. Ban on state and local mask mandates. Ban on state and local vaccine mandates. Ban on gain of function research. Yeah, that's Florida. 
That's right. And you know what happens when you start doing the right thing? You start leading, people start getting braver. And then the culture actually starts shifting, right? When I was talking about Trump before, how he's now adding to our culture of lies, DeSantis, by doing the right thing, is adding to a course correction, I would say, related to culture. Because look at this. This is from the Tallahassee Democrat. FSU, right here in Florida, Florida State University, cancels race class and gender course ahead of fall semester due to low enrollment. Yeah, people don't want any of this nonsense anymore. And I wanna throw in one more on this. I promise you this is the last one because one of the other lies that Trump has relentlessly had against DeSantis is that he is somehow Soros-backed. And then I see all the anonymous Twitter trolls uh, saying that Trump is Soros-backed. Now, ironically, DeSantis, uh, that DeSantis is Soros-backed. Now, ironically, DeSantis is the only one who has actually fired Soros-backed DAs. He did it in Tampa, and I think there was one other one that he got rid of. Uh, but there is another guy that Donald Trump never criticizes who actually was Soros-backed, and it's a guy that Trump never criticizes, and a guy that never criticizes Trump, which is very, very bizarre. You know who I'm talking about, of course. This is Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, this is a tweet. This one's just popping up lately. People, are, someone just found this in the last couple days from the uh, Soros Fellowship Fellowships official Twitter account. Soros Fellowships, okay? We're very excited to learn that PD Soros Fellow and Royvent Sciences CEO Vivek Ramaswamy is on Twitter. Even better, you can find his latest essay here. And Vivek responded, just joined earlier this year, still slowly figuring out how it works. So yes, he was a Soros Fellow. He's gotten tripped up in a couple interviews lately where he said that he only did it because he needed money. Then in other ones, he said he didn't need the money to do it. Anyway, I thought that was just a, an interesting uh, piece related to truth. And now one more related to truth and related to Tucker Carlson that'll tie this whole thing together. What is it we need to do to fix this, ladies and gentlemen? It's just fight for the right things and do it bravely. Whether you're Tucker, whether you're DeSantis, whether you're the parent at the school board meeting, whether you're someone fighting COVID tyranny, any of the stuff, stand up and do it and you might see a change go in our direction. Uh, this is Tucker this past weekend. The two things you need to do are organize and, and speak with total honesty, clarity, and aggression. Those are the two things you need to do. Now, neither one of those things is easy. Complaining is easy. Watching television is easy. Eating with people you agree with and grousing is really easy. That's why those are the first things I do when I'm mad about something. I whine to my wife about it. Or I lecture my dogs. All of whom, all four of whom agree with me, by the way. I have the most right-wing spaniels in Maine. But none of those things change the outcome. You need to act, you need to speak, and you need to organize. And before you can do either one of those, you need to recognize the consequences, the stakes. It's not just about people doing things you disagree with, it's about the most fundamental question of all, which is, can you have children? Will they? live in a world where they can afford to get married themselves and have children, and will those children live where you lived? Will they live within driving distance of your grave? Will the civilization that produced you continue? 
These are, I hate the word, but these are literally existential questions. Will the world that produced you continue to exist? And the answer is no. With bad leadership, it won't. Everything is at stake. And that's not a fundraising pitch. Yeah, it ain't easy, guys. I get it. It ain't easy to say what you think and there will be repercussions. I find it very bizarre when I'm out and about or I do events and people say, Dave, you're so brave. And it's like, listen, I'm not going to war, right? I'm not being shot at. I'm saying what I think. And I guess there is a cost and there's been a lot of upside for it to me too. But if you do not do it, what do you think is going to happen after? What do you think is going to happen to the world that your kids are gonna live in and everything else? So we can either just, as Tucker says, we can just watch TV, we can just complain to our dogs and all of those things, or we can damn well do it. And it, and it starts, again, by telling the truth. And, and Tucker talks about that often, which is why I would love, uh, and I absolutely will, Tucker's welcome to come back on the show anytime. I'll text him right after this to ask him when he'll come back in. But what I would love to know from Tucker is, what do you do about the lies that I just laid out here? It's a little unclear to me, you know, look, and Tucker, sometimes he, he does this thing where he's sort of like commenting on politics all the time and then, and then he pretends he has nothing to do with politics, um, which I think is refreshing in a bizarre way at some level. But the question I think for someone like Tucker is, okay, if you, if you believe all of these things, and I, I believe he's being forthright and genuine, I absolutely do, like which way are you gonna vote? Like do you still not know? I've seen this lately with a couple pundits on the right. It's like they know what's right, but they're afraid to go against that base as Charlie Kirk warned me in that video we did at the end of July. You don't wanna say anything about the base because the base will come after you. And, and Lord knows they say mean things about me on Twitter. It's true, but I'm doing all right. We're gonna order lunch today. We're gonna have lunch. Everything's gonna be fine. Fight for the right thing, guys. That's, that's the point. If you have not subscribed, please do at rumble.com slash rubenreport. And if you want to join us for the post-game show uh, right now, it's at rubenreport.locals.com. Oh, and I saw this one on Twitter. It was going viral, and, and I got included in it. I thought you might enjoy it. This is about the Elon Musk versus ADL fight that's been brewing on Twitter. Uh, take a look, and we'll see you on the other side. Ciao. Since Elon Musk took over X, formerly known as Twitter, we at the ADL have noticed a surge in anti-Semitic posts, especially from an account named Libs of TikTok. Libs of, Libs of TikTok? But she's Jewish. How, how can she be anti-Semitic? Name someone else. Okay. Since Elon Musk took over X, formerly known as Twitter, we at the ADL have noticed a surge in anti-Semitic posts, especially from an account named Dave Rubin. Dave, he's Jewish too. What are you guys doing? Okay, let's just change the script, put the right name in there. It's not your fault. From an account named Ben Shapiro. Come on guys, he's Jewish. What do you do? Who are we canceling? We can't do this. to the Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.